This is What's In with Olaplex. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. Together, we break down all things beauty, health, and wellness and discuss not just what's out, but also what's in. Today, I have my friend and celebrity hair colorist, Chad Kenyon, joining me to talk about what's in and what's out with hair color. With over a decade of experience under his belt, Chad has colored hair for celebrities and clients around the world. He is best known for his healthy hair approach and his signature custom service, the Color Melt. Together, we're going to talk about what goes on in the salon, hair color trends in 2024, and how to make the juice worth the squeeze of your next hair coloring appointment. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or follow us on social media at What's In Podcast. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Chad, my friend. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here with you, of all people. Well, I can't wait to dive into this topic because it is near and dear to our hearts. Tell us all how you got into coloring hair. Like, why that? I actually started coloring hair with Barbie Beauty Salon. (laughs) And (laughs) I would paint her hair with fingernail polish and makeup. And then I started rolling perms with my mom in the 80s. I'm dating myself a little bit. And then in college, I would sneak girls into the boys' bathroom to rinse their hair out. I was doing color experimenting trial and error. Then I moved to Madrid, Spain for 16 years, long story short. And I was doing club kids and bleaching tones and you know, cooking them in the sun because I didn't have the right tools. And it was a lot of trial and error. I have to say, one of my first experiences with hair color, granted on my own head, I must have been in, like in my early teens. My older sisters are blonde. And I always wanted to have blonde hair, but I had dark brown hair. And they used that spray in stuff that you would go sit in the sun and it would supposedly turn blonde. Basically peroxide. Pretty much. And the funny thing is that like, if you look at the cover, like that gorgeous blonde with the pretty highlights, I would spray this on my hair and ultimately it would be my dark brown hair with like a, a layer, a little like copper wire layer on top that was fried out and looked horrible, but like super bright orange. Right. It was awful. And then later on, you know, started playing with the box color. And I have to admit, I loved how that instant gratification that you would get experimenting with box color. Normally I would keep it close to my level, which is, you know, brown, medium brown, or deeper, but I would add like chocolate cherries or you know, some kind of, you know, accent color. Some but what I found for myself is that uh, that instant gratification only lasted for so long because what I didn't realize, I thought that it was just all kind of like washing out. I didn't realize that the hair gets lightened underneath and the color was draining out. And ultimately my hair looked like a fried mess again. And I didn't even have to use that spray and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the box color is a lot of people don't realize it's more like fabric dye um, than anything else. So it's kind of crazy. I now 
with everything that is going on here, because box color is a big thing and I get it. Like I said, I've done it, but I do feel like there is a little bit of a change right now, especially with our clients and everything like that, that, you know, a lot of people feel like they aren't coming in. They can't come in every six weeks to the salon anymore. Like what are your thoughts on that? My clientele can come in every six weeks, so I don't have to worry about that so much. But we do have great at-home hair care products now that will tide you over until that next time. It'll rebuild mm-hmm. those broken disulfide bonds, um, which those are the strongest bonds in the hair that strengthen the hair. So that will literally allow you more time in between salon visits. My clients come in, the, you know, the water in LA is so harsh They'll come in in between highlight appointments just for a gloss and a chelating treatment to start off with that, removing all of those heavy metals, the calcium buildup. Um, It removes that and it exposes what's underneath. Well, that's very interesting that you're talking about that because I find that even though a lot of people can't, I I don't want to say they can't come in every six weeks. I think people are being very particular about the choices that they're making when it comes to their hair care, when it comes to their color choices, what they want to do to really stretch that appointment. And I do know that within the realm of hair color, there is the hair care aspect and really making sure you're taking care of the hair because when your hair is healthy and it looks good in that regard, it doesn't matter what color it is in the long run. Absolutely. So Chad, when you were doing a consultation and it's a brand new client, let's go over what is that checklist? What are the things that they should be looking for in their bathroom or in their lives that they have to either get rid of or bring in? Yes. There are certain brands, certain products that I will tell them to dispose of. (laughs) And then I make a checklist of Olaplex products that I want them to use and I explain how to use it. We send a text to the clients with their checklist of what they should be using, how often to use it, when to use it, how to cocktail six and seven. I do that for every client. So are you looking at specific things that you're looking for in like a shampoo or a conditioner, or you're looking for a certain type of mask that they're using? Are there any kind of ingredients that you're looking for them to completely avoid or ones that you're really looking to bring in? I mean, I know that you and I, we both use Olaplex. Obviously, we want to make sure that they're always having strength in the hair. But even when it comes to styling, are you looking at the season? Like, oh, this is what you're going to need for the season for styling? Or is it like just looking solely at hair type? I'm looking at both, but one thing that I tell all of my, I ask my clients not to use is pure coconut oil or pure olive oil. Those oils are so dangerous for the hair. (laughs) They can clog up your scalp. They can give you alopecia. Like a good hair oil that's balanced and made for the hair is amazing. Yeah, because there's a lot of trends on social media where they're saying use these like different oils that you would find in your kitchen. Yeah, rosemary oil is the big thing right now. Nothing that's 100% pure oil is good for your hair. It's just going to clog it up and dull it. You got to think of scalp health. You know, think of your skin. You don't want to clog up pores. 
there are pores on the scalp. You don't want to clog up where you're having the hair follicles coming out. So that is a really great point. What I want to do is jump into what's out with hair coloring. So when it comes to clients being informed or not informed, I feel as though what's really out are people that are coming in and just allowing a hairdresser to do whatever they want without really any kind of base knowledge. I feel like knowledge is power nowadays. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. I do a thorough consultation even before the client comes into the salon. I have a form that they have to fill out with their hair history, and I get photos of them now, like right before they come into the salon, photos of what they want and photos of what they don't want. Oh, I like that. And then we elaborate on that once they come into the salon. That's a really great experience too, because then they're getting a full range of like where they started all the way to their aspiration to where they're going. I love that. Yeah, exactly. And then that way I know how much time I need with them, more or less. I know what color products to have on hand. Usually I have everything, but just in case I ask those questions and it helps me give them a better service. So when it comes to clients that are coming in and they feel like they want to know more specifically what they're being put into their hair, like with toners and developers, how deep of a conversation do you get into? Because I kind of feel like there's a fine line. I like my clients to be informed. In fact, Oftentimes, I'm on social media trying to educate people on basic rudimentary things about hair so they have an understanding of how to be prepared for their appointment and understand why sometimes an appointment might take longer and why it might be shorter. But with that being said, there are a lot of nuances and it is also really difficult as a hairdresser when somebody is coming in and they're very specific. I want you to do X, Y, Z. But really, they don't understand that every head of hair is different. Every head of hair is different. Everyone's hair history is different. That's why I said I go through, like, I need to know their hair history four years, maybe five years back, depending on the length of their hair. Yeah. If they've had a perm, if they've had a chemical relaxer, like all of these things I need to know, if they've used box dye. A lot of it I can see as the professional. I can already tell what's going on. Um, But I need to really get in there and get the nitty gritty, all the details. So this is where I think there is the disconnect. Now, we often tell them that we need to know about your hair history, like for a few years. So that way we have an understanding of what's going on in the hair. But how does that affect our decisions? Because that's where I think people get confused. They think that, well, you could just throw something on top of it. What's the big deal? Right. But really, when it comes to certain chemical services... When you try to do something, you're going to get an uneven result. Exactly. That's where I come in and I explain everything to them at their level. Sometimes I have to get a little technical talking about underlying pigments and box dye and that it's not really hair color. You know, sometimes even a direct dye won't come out of the hair if it was really blonde underneath and they've been in the pool all summer. Those direct dyes don't always come out. That's a good point. I had at one point put some kind of color in my hair that was had a red undertone to it. And of course, you know, as we all know with red, or many of us know, 
Red tends to leak out faster than any other hair color, but the remnants of it stick to your hair more than any other color. Absolutely. when I went in to go and lighten my hair, I was a very pretty copper. I was pinky. It was adorable. No, no, it was not. No. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see photos. It was interesting. And then you had the few pieces that were regular blonde. So it was, it was a very strange mix. So understanding that you might not physically see it, but it's still living in there. It's still in there. Yeah. So I, like I said, what I really think is out is people just kind of coming in and assuming that it is a one-stop shop for everybody, that it's as simple as throw the color on. Yeah, it's de- that's definitely out. Consumers, clients are more educated today. And if they're not, they, they're hungry for information. And I'm happy to share it with them. I'm constantly teaching my assistants 24-7 as we work. And the clients pick up on a lot of that too. And they have follow-up questions on information that I've shared with my assistant. So it's, it's an open book. I love that. And I think that it's interesting. Again, a lot of times we think it's a very two-dimensional, so to speak, of, of information. Really, it is so multifaceted. Everything from your hair history when it comes to color, but Again, also to the things that we are exposed to. Um, You were mentioning earlier about chelating. A lot of people don't even know what that is. And it's so funny because as a hairdresser, I remember us talking about it in beauty school, but it did not become more of a conversation until recently. I would say in the past five years. Because hard water, 85% of the United States have hard water and they don't even know it. And they don't realize that, oh, you could say you had well water or hard water for all your life, but it builds up slowly and you never know when you're going to get to the tipping point. And that tipping point will literally fry your hair. Yeah, it will. You know, I just had a client come into the Olaplex suite at Olin Salon the other day and she had natural virgin hair. It was like a level six, seven. So that's like a light to medium brown. A light to medium brown, yes. And she had some warm highlights in there, natural highlights from the sun, but it was a little muddy and murky. I did a chelating treatment for her and then the Olaplex standalone treatment. These are pro salon treatments. And the chelating re-exposed all of the brightness and brilliance and glow that there was underneath. And in that before and after photo, which are on my Instagram, it's amazing. It looks like I did a full head of highlights on her. And all I did was yeah. a chelating treatment to re-expose that. It basically is going in and really clarifying the hair on such a deep level. And I think that is so important for people to understand. It's like getting a clean canvas with whatever we're working with. Absolutely. Can you explain a little bit more in depth of what exactly is hard water? Yes. Because I have a feeling a lot of people might be confused. Right. All of our drinking water now, unfortunately, has chemicals in it, and it has heavy metals in the water, a calcium deposit. So what Olaplex chelating treatment does is it goes in and it cleanses all that away down to the cortex level. So then all you need to do at home to take care of that is use the Olaplex 4C clarifying shampoo and the Olaplex conditioner. And that will help maintain healthy hair at home. 
And you can also get a shower filter. Those are really good too. There's some great shower filters out there now, and I recommend that my clients get them. Even so, the hard water still builds up in their hair, just not as frequently. I have to say, when I moved here in uh, Florida the very first time, I remember going and taking a shower and my skin itched. And I couldn't understand why. Also, the, the water might have had an interesting smell. Believe it or not, New York has really good water for the most part. It does. Um, and what was happening is my hair was getting drier and drier. And I couldn't understand why. I mean, I use great products. I take really good care of my hair. It wasn't until a friend of mine said um, he was looking at my hair and that he sniffed my hair. <laughs> he's like, he's like, girl, you need a chelating. Like you have like deposits in your hair. And being that I am blonde as well, it was just soaking it all up and holding onto it. And it was blocking any kind of moisture that wanted to get to my hair. The other issue is, is that if you have too much metallics, do not blend well with lightener or bleach. And it will cause a reaction if it's too much, which is your hair starts to smoke and then melt. Right. Not something I wanted right. <laughs> at all. So we immediately started to um, make sure that we were doing this at least quarterly to make sure that I wasn't having that issue. But yes, one of the first things I did was get a filter on my shower to make sure at least... I was getting some protection and now I still do the chelating. Admittedly, I do it before every time I bleach because I'm paranoid now. Yeah, no, I think you should. That's why I ask repeatedly if my clients have ever used henna because henna sounds very natural and healthy, but it actually has metallic salts in it to cook it into your hair. And those mm -hmm. metallic salts, when you mix it with lightener, aka bleach, your hair will melt and start smoking. Yeah. So the chelating treatment will cleanse down to the cortex level. Which is why we also ask your hair history and how long, you know, what you did a few years ago, whatever, thinking that your hair grows a half an inch a month. Yes. So think about it. In 12 months, that's six inches. Think about six inches away from your head. That's one year's growth. Now think about how long your hair is. So down here, like where it's, you know, at your chest or maybe at your waist, that's two to three years ago. What did you do to your hair? Yeah. And if you used henna and we're using lightener on there, we're running a risk. Yeah. And a lot of clients will think, oh, henna is natural. It's very yeah. earthy. It's very, no. I mean, it's, it's made from natural products, but in yeah. order to cook it into your hair, metallic salts, not good. Natural is not always the best way to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I want to talk about also what I think is out, is using that box dye and expecting salon quality results. And I, I am not trying to disparage anybody that feels like they have to do that because, you know, we're all in different situations. But I think it's about, A, keeping realistic expectations of what your results are going to be and the longevity of it, but also understanding you could be creating a problem that ultimately will lead you right over to one of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hardcore about the box dye on social and with my clients. I'm definitely strongly suggesting that they never use <laughs> box dye. I mean, it's really, it's not hair color. When we say dye, dye is for fabric. Fair. Uh, we color our hair. Um, anything that says dye on it, unless it's a direct dye, which is 
sits on the surface of the hair, I just recommend that we don't do that. Right. Because it and I explain all the problems it can cause and how it never leaves your hair. Most of the time, we're unable to lift box colored hair because it just lifts. If it lifts at all, it lifts brassy, orange, and unevenly. Very unevenly, actually. Yes. And it's funny because much like we were talking earlier about how it's so important for clients to understand that it is really multifaceted. There's a lot of different things we consider when we're starting to do a service for someone. We're looking at all kinds of things. When it comes to most box dyes, you're looking at a standard of strength of, of the chemical that is the same across the board. So it is not taking your hair into consideration of what it actually needs. It's making assumptions, so to speak, about where your hair's at. Right. Uh, and yeah, it might not be what you need. Right, because the box dye is, they make it so user-friendly mm. so that it kind of works for a large range of people that, like you said, they're not taking into consideration your hair's needs. Right. And they don't know where you want to go long-term with your hair color as well. Like I talk to my clients about short-term goals and long-term goals. With box dye, it's just about right now. Right. It's instant yeah. gratification. That's right. It's, I mean, I get it. I get it. I do. But I've done many a color correction from that as well. My niece, I'll never forget when she decided to do something like that. And the results, oh, it was rough. It was rough. It, it, there was a lot of orange coming up. And so then she tried to take even more box dye and make it black. <laughs> yeah. You're never getting that out. Yeah. It was not a good combination. And really, ultimately, it made it very um, matte. It, it didn't have any shine and no amount of product was going to make that shine. So yeah, that was a big process to kind of fix that. So understand that what may seem like a cheaper option ultimately could wind up being hundreds and hundreds of dollars to kind of fix Close to a thousand, probably for a lot of occasions, yeah. Because it's it's not about oh, you know, we're just going to pull that out and put some new color on there. No, sometimes it's hours upon hours of work. Yeah, sometimes absolutely. a couple of visits. It it's a lot. The next thing I want to really point out about what I think is out is a lot of people are speaking about how you shouldn't be coloring textured hair. You're going to have all kinds of issues. Like it's going to make it frizzy. You're not going to have healthy hair afterwards. And ultimately, I think that's like completely out with all the different technology that's out there. You can really have gorgeous curl after even lightener, bleach. Like Absolutely. you can still have that gorgeous hair. When we change hair color or lighten hair or, or do permanent hair color, we're breaking those bonds and reforming them in ways to create the desired color or texture. Olaplex will find all the bonds that didn't reform and rebuild them simultaneously as you're coloring or lightening the hair. So it works for all hair colors, all hair textures, gray hair, previously lightened hair. It's for everything. But particularly with curly hair, they have more disulfide bonds than any other hair type. Absolutely. So what happens is when you're breaking those disulfide bonds, you're going to lose that curl pattern. It's not going to have that same bounce and that gorgeous curl. So particularly when you're using it in lightener, 
or your stylist is using it in Lightner or color or whatever service you're having. Again, in order for us to get the result, we have to break them. We got to break them. Yeah. But the whole point of the product being in there is for it to relink it as Reform. we break it. And yeah. yeah, we wind up getting a result that sometimes is even better than what it was before we started. I want to switch over to what's in with hair coloring right now. Love it. Like I want to talk about stretching those salon appointments. Now we were talking about how six weeks ideally, but like you can be strategic about it if you talk with your hairdresser. Like we were talking about the balayage and then the toning. Can you kind of expand on that? Well, I balayage, I'm a balayage specialist and I gloss their hair after I balayage. I'll do a shadow root and then a global gloss um, using Olaplexin number one in my formulas. And the thing with the hard water and water in general and shampoos that have sulfates in them, it will remove that gloss. So my Mm -hmm. clients will come in every six weeks, six to eight weeks, just for a gloss, for a refresher appointment. I think that it's so important to understand that just because you love to have, let's say blonde. I mean, blonde is a high maintenance color. I know for myself, I got to get it every five to six weeks or I start to look a little funny, like two-toned. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little bit two-toned. But with balayage, it is more of a grown-out look. It looks more sun-kissed. But it still has some maintenance that you can do to really make it look like it's freshly done. It maintains it beautifully. It doesn't turn brassy. So coming back every six weeks for that tone, not to do the whole blonde retouch, just the tone is going to make a huge difference. The cost is a little bit lower. And then you don't have to worry about that larger cost until a little bit further out. Exactly. Part of my system, the way I work, is doing the balayage. That's like the skeleton of the look, right? And then they get to come in for glosses and treatments, so they don't have to do the whole thing, as you were saying. And I can do balayage every three months. Sometimes I have clients that come in twice a year. I have clients that come in once a year. And it still grows out well because the way I paint in my placement, I'm not creating a harsh line of demarcation. So when the hair grows out, it kind of looks better and better up to a certain point. And then they'll they'll come back in and see me. It looks very diffused, like you've been hanging out in the sun. Diffused is the word I use. I love that. Mm, I love that. Because who wants that harsh line? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good highlight, you know, the foil highlights, and it's like that gorgeous blonde. But admittedly, there's something about that gorgeous diffuse line that looks so natural. looks like you've been hanging out at the beach. Soft. And it's really cold right now. So it's, I like to feel as though we're hanging out at the beach. As beachy as possible. <laughs> so with that being said, I also want to go with what's in. Is that collaboration with your hairstylist? Having that conversation about how are we going to maintain? How are we going to prolong things and really make the best of your appointment. Right. I discuss in detail at home hair care treatment in Mm. the initial consultation. So I will explain to them all the products I would like them to use. And throughout the appointment, I 
refer to that conversation two or three times. So I'm really kind of getting it into their heads, <laughs> what, what they should be using and doing, and just how important it is. But what about the actual hair care? Like if somebody's coming in and saying, you know, I really love the way you did this celebrity's hair. I want to have that as well. But you know that like one, their hair type is a little bit different, but also, you know, that they might not be as consistent in how often they come back. Uh, I always think of the first time I asked for platinum blonde hair and my hairdresser said, no. <laughs> really? I guess she it just outright no. said, no. And why was that? Because I wasn't consistent. I wasn't consistent with coming in. Like I would forget to come in and then all of a sudden I'll like, I'll show up once a month and then all of a sudden you'll see me in six months. Yeah. For my bleach and tone clients, I have them sign, well, verbally sign um, an agreement that they'll come in every three to four weeks and they won't go over that. Otherwise it becomes a color correction. Well, when it comes to this kind of thing, you kind of have to. But that's where her and I had to have that hard conversation of how can we make this work where I kind of feel like I'm getting what I want and she's able to ensure that I'm not going to be walking around like a hot mess, <laughs> which I'm grateful for. I'm yes, grateful. of course. Do you have those conversations with your clients like where you're, they have a certain expectation and you have to like mold it in and collaborate with them to kind of get those results? Yes, I explained to them that their hair texture and density may be different than the celebrity they're seeing. Um, a lot of people look at red carpet photos, and oftentimes people are wearing extensions in those photos. That plays a big part in explaining to them why they're not going to get the same look. Not everyone has that full density that an extension, you know, extensions can give. And going into that, because I kind of feel like that's a bit of a trend right now. I want to talk about hair color trends, but I wouldn't mind also diving into the trends of the hair extensions. Am I wrong? Am I seeing this everywhere? It's made a comeback for sure. Mm. And all different types of extensions are in tape-ins. You know, everything is, is back. I color the hair generally, like I'll highlight or balayage the extensions before they go in the hair. Mm. Every once in a while, I have an emergency and I'll have to balayage when the extensions are already in. That's something that I'm doing more and more of. So with the extensions, I feel like this is going to keep on trailing into 2024, or am I mistaken? No, you're absolutely right. It's just gearing up right now. There are so many things that are in right now that are happening. There's kind of like this freedom to express yourself however you want hair color wise. One thing I'm seeing a lot of is dark black, blue black. Ooh. And of course they try to use a demi-permanent for that, but I'm doing more and more of it. It's That's interesting. kind of surprising. I have, I have to tell people, blue black, the darker you go, the harsher it can make us look. So we have to be really careful about it. Make sure that it's very shiny. Make sure that it's a pristine canvas. So the light will bounce off of the hair as opposed to being flat. Black hair can make us look really dull if that's not done properly. Completely agree. And if anything, sometimes the blue can almost come across as green, which is also not the best look. It almost looks mossy if you're not careful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I use a blue-black, um, straight blue-black. I don't use neutral. I just use the blue-black. Mm. And it turns out really well. 
So aside from that deep black that you're seeing and the blue black that you're seeing, are there any other hair color trends that you really feel like is going to be really popular in early 2024? I mean, we have to talk about cowgirl copper. (laughs) I feel like I see that everywhere. And let me tell you, Chad, I'm like dying of curiosity on your opinion on this, but is it just freaking copper? Like every year, it seems like it's a new name. (laughs) Exactly. And I've been doing cowgirl copper for years. I just called it something else. I always name my hair color after food because when I really, when I love my work, it makes me hungry. I don't know. It's just, it's this weird occurrence. So I always name my hair color. You'll see on my Instagram at Chad Kenyon that I'm naming everything after food. At Chad Kenyon, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. (laughs) This is making me hungry. I know, right? So yeah, Cowgirl Copper is here to stay for the for the moment. It is copper with a little bit of level six, which is a light brown neutral mixed into it. Okay. That's what most girls want. However, some girls will come to me saying they want Cowgirl Copper and they're showing me bright orange, which I'm here for. I love that look. I love doing redheads. My mom is a, a natural redhead. Well, she was a natural redhead. Now she's my redhead. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I grew up loving her hair color. It was so vibrant. And um, so that inspires me to create Cowgirl Coppers and Coppers in general. Do you find that that's like, because I feel like this conversation comes up every fall And then it kind of slowly fades out as we go into winter. But you think that this is going to like draw into winter and draw into like maybe spring of of 2024? Yes, I actually do. What do you think is is inspiring that? You know, 10 years ago, we were do everyone wanted to be ashy and cool. And to me, that looks a little dull if it's overdone. Light doesn't bounce off of the hair because there's no gold in it at all. So I think people are embracing warmer tones in general. They started embracing warmer blondes. And then little by little, it got to be, let's throw a little copper, a little apricot in there. And now people love the full-on copper. And I have a lot of clients that are wanting to go into the burgundy realm, which has a little violet in it. I personally don't love too much violet in a redhead looks like Eastern Europe in the late nineties, like henna. (laughs) Okay. You know what I mean? That look, um, it's just not for me, but I have done one. I just did this girl the other day, an influencer, and we took her pomegranate, cranberry, citrus, holiday fruit punch. You're right. It does make me hungry. <laughs> and so, right? <laughs> so there was there was copper in there. There was red. There was violet. And there was gold. So that's oh, kind wow. of, I really layer it in there. I do feel like there's definitely a leaning towards more warm, certainly within blonde realm, but also just regular hair color as well, even within the brunettes. I felt for like, there was almost like a good, almost 10 years of people really trying to ash out everything. And and that's like going for the cooler tones, uh, the cooler brunettes, the cooler blondes. And now it's like people are really embracing the warmth, which is really great because it brings a lot of more color to your face. Um, I was just going to say that. Absolutely. But I also think it's super important to understand that everybody's skin tones are a little bit different. So make sure that you're 
being open to a lot of different tonalities or levels of golden tones because sometimes it's just not going to work with your skin tone. Exactly. Sometimes people have, for example, very golden skin. So when I do their coppers, uh, I always put gold in my coppers. I'll do a little less gold and more copper so that it complements their skin tone. No, that makes complete sense. So, I mean, basically what I would say with all of the trends that are coming out there, we're looking at warmth. We're looking at definitely extensions. I think I'm going to miss out on that one. <laughs> Unless you I go know. with a wig. You never uh, know. Chad, should I come out to LA and, and have you put in some extensions? I can tell you right now, it's not going to work. A full it's head of extension. <laughs> you know what else is also making a comeback? I saw it at Paris Fashion Week. Is There were so many models with dark brown hair and behind the shoulder. It was very, like, as a colorist, I want all that hair forward so people can see it. But the trend was down the middle, sleek, behind the shoulder, and dark brown. That's a very subdued look considering some of the more over-the-top things that we've been seeing with the wolf cut, which to me is like kind of has a little bit of a wild, shaggy thing about it. Now right. we're looking at very sleek. Yeah, I think everything is in. People get to express themselves however they want now. And I'm all for it. I love that. I love that. Well, I have to say, this has been so much fun. We're done already? Yeah. I mean, heck, we can keep on talking, but like, that yeah. Flew by. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, Chad. Uh, thank you for having me. This has been amazing. Always talking with you is amazing. And I hope we do it again. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. What's In with Olaplex is produced in partnership with Olaplex and Frequency Media. Lizzie Stewart is our producer. Sara Naz Jatbabayi is our associate producer. And Michelle Corey is our executive producer. These episodes are recorded and mixed by Claire Bidegary Curtis, development and strategy by Jessica Olivier, and Sara Naz Jadbabai.